Welcome to Chamberlain University's MSN CourseCast. Each episode in our series will introduce and discuss key concepts from the modules in one of your courses. These episodes are intended to enhance your learning when you're on the go, so feel free to listen to them anytime and anywhere. And hello, everybody. Welcome to our podcast for NR517. I am here today with Dr. Elizabeth Fields, professor in the MSN specialty tracks, and we're going to today be discussing some important components and concepts related to health policy and healthcare economics. But before we do that, I wanted to see if Dr. Fields would be able to come off and introduce herself. Okay. Good afternoon or good day to everybody. Thanks for having me on this podcast and appreciate sharing the work that I've done uh, in health policy in my state. How about that? I teach in the healthcare policy track and would love to chat with Dr. Simpson here. We are certainly glad you are with us today. And so, What I really want to talk about is the overview and topic for this podcast, like I said, is the relationship between healthcare policy and economics. So, Dr. Fouts, I wanted to start off and ask, what do we mean when we refer to health policy? I'm going to quote, um, I got this from the World Health Organization. So, health policy refers to decisions plans, and actions that are undertaken to achieve specific healthcare goals within a society. So an explicit health policy can achieve several things. It defines a vision for the future, which in turn helps establish targets and points of reference for the short and medium term. It outlines priorities and expected roles of different groups and it builds consensus and informs people. So one of the things that I am most proud of is in my involvement in the creation of a comprehensive tobacco control plan for the state of Nevada. So uh, that work was recognized by the governor. The governor appointed me to the Fund for Healthy Nevada. I served there for eight years working with legislators, working with coalitions, working with lobbyists and interest groups and providers to create a comprehensive plan. And, And a comprehensive tobacco control plan included lots of health policy, including uh, legislation to um, to prevent smoking in public places. We passed legisl- health policies regarding smoke-free restaurants. We had an opportunity to increase tobacco taxes. So all of those things were included in uh, the comprehensive tobacco control plan. So those are just examples of health policies that we were able to pass in the state of Nevada, despite the tobacco uh, lobby being very strong. Thank you, Dr. Powell. And so when we also think about healthcare economics, similarly, it is used frequently today. But at the root, what does this term refer to? 
So while health economics is a branch of economics concerned with issues related to efficiency, effectiveness, value, and behavior in the production and consumption of health and healthcare. So in broad terms, health economists study the functioning of the healthcare system and the health-affecting behaviors such as smoking. So in terms of uh, economics, how it impacted the policies that we created in Nevada regarding uh, smoke-free restaurants, for example. So the restaurants owners were all up in arms and they said there are revenue is going to come the revenue is going to go down because my uh, consumers want to smoke while they eat while they drink etc cetera, etc cetera. well you know studies have shown my wonderful friends from California have given us ammunition to counter that the research is showing that the revenues in the restaurants in California never decreased. And lo and behold, that's also true in Nevada now. You know, we love our smoke-free restaurants. So anyway, the other side of it, from a consumer standpoint, when we increase tobacco taxes, well, you know, that impacts tobacco users, right? It's going to be more expensive to buy tobacco and therefore, it was very, it's very important in, in issues like this. It's where nurses interested in population health, nurses as advocates need to say, well, yeah, what's the impact of that on my patient? So what's the impact of that policy on the economics, you know, uh, on the bottom line of, of my um, patients, right? And so I made sure that when we increase tobacco taxes, it's the same same thing that I did in Nevada. I did the same thing in the Philippines. When they increased tobacco taxes in the Philippines, I went, I had an opportunity to speak with the Philippine Secretary of Health, and I said, it's only right that when you increase tobacco taxes, you're increasing government revenue on the backs of the people who are addicted to tobacco, it's morally right and it's ethical that you provide services to help people quit. And so that's what I did in Nevada, started the Nevada Tobacco Users Helpline and helped the Philippine government set up a um, Philippine Tobacco Users Quit Line. So it leads to, it's very important that for nurses, it's very important that we advocate for health policies but we also need to understand how that policy is going to impact our patients and our population's bottom line, right? Especially these days, you know, the people who are most vulnerable to these policies are the people who uh, have a hard time making both ends meet. And so a lot of my tobacco users who were extremely dependent on tobacco use, on tobacco, are now being hit with very expensive packs of cigarettes and all that stuff. So advocating nurses need to understand, yeah, okay, so what do I do now to help my patients quit? Are there services to help them quit, given that we increase the prices? Okay. And I think you need to um, move me on. 
Okay. This is some great this is some great discussion and some of the things you brought up with advocating for both areas, this non smoker as well as providing resources for the smoker to help them quit smoking. It's not like it was just let's focus on smoke free. It was let's help those that do have this addiction also provide resources for them to help quit smoking which can also decrease costs associated with the, like you said, the risk factors related to smoking. Mm -hmm. So appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about healthcare policy and how they're related to one another, specifically, how is healthcare policy influenced by economic situations? So lately, there's been a lot of concerns about insurance coverage, right? A lot of our, a lot of uh, vulnerable populations don't have health insurance coverage. Okay, so that is an economic issue. And therefore, nurses as advocates, as well as the people, right, the people themselves are going to their legislators saying, we need to address this issue. Right. We need to address we increase coverage, most especially for our, our most vulnerable population. And so that issue then becomes a trigger for nurse advocates and for populations affected themselves to go say, let's do something about it. Let's create a policy that will address this economic issue. Okay. And, and then when that trigger stimulates the creation of a health policy saying there is insurance coverage for such and such group of people now, then the economics part of it starts to kick in and say, okay, what are the economic implications of this policy now, right? How much is it, how, we pass this policy, how much is it going to cost the providers? How much is it going to cost the people who are going to use this insurance coverage? And then we now realize that we address an economic problem, the lack of insurance coverage for the most vulnerable populations. And then we passed legislation. We passed health care policies to address this issue. Then, again, we have to say, okay, now that we pass this policy mandating coverage for this vulnerable population, how are we going to fund this mandate? And therefore, then economic issues again now start to kick in again. Did you see how that, that is a cycle? I'm trying to think of how, how that, how that um, going back to tobacco use. Okay, so we have lots and lots of people who have no insurance and are disproportionately affected by tobacco-related diseases, right? So now you have a lot of insurance companies who say, well, I don't want to cover that. That's too expensive. Then, you know, advocates and Advocates as well as populations themselves ought to start to address this one. Well, you know, it can't be that way. How are we going to help this vulnerable population who are disproportionately affected by tobacco-related diseases? Then legislation passes, and then all of a sudden we say, okay, how do we really fund this new law, which is 
economics, right? Does that answer your question, Dr. Simpson? That was a great example. And so what I wanted to just ask you, I'm sorry, I'm getting a lot of background on my end. So how can policies and economics work collaboratively to improve these outcomes? How can they work collaboratively? Well, I think it's very important to think about, okay, so if nurses are advocating for coverage for prevention, treatment, and recovery services for those who are disproportionately affected by tobacco use. We need to think about the sustainability of policies that we're going to propose so that we proactively think about, okay, we want this legislation and we need to know how much it is going to cost and where is the funding going to come from. I think that when we think about health, right, that's our goal, we think about how will policies address this health issue with the knowledge of how are we going to fund these specific recommendations of a policy? right? Sometimes policies come as mandates, right? So it's very important that we proponents of policies understand the economic implications of the policy so that it works, so that it meets our intent. Because if we don't, we say, okay, you know, with a um, coverage for PET scans for everybody, right? Uh, you know, at some point when I was working at the Nevada Tobacco Users Helpline, we said, oh, we need to, we want this very sophisticated test, PET scans for, or lung scans for patients with COPD, blah, 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 all that stuff. So, okay, those are Okay, we went to our legislators and we say we want this coverage. And our legislators say, well, how are you going to fund it? How are you going to fund that expensive thing? So we, we, we have to look at, go back to the drawing board and say, really, what is doable here? What in terms of policies, how are we going to sustain what we say we want in a policy? So... Dr. Foss, can you share an example from a small scale, such as a hospital unit, when talking about how economics is informing health policy? One of the things that I worked on here in Nevada is addressing tobacco use when in acute care settings in hospitals. Okay, so we were able to pass smoke-free hospitals. 10 hospitals in Las Vegas said we're going to go smoke-free. And so the role of the nursing services was to write a policy on how do we address tobacco use at the bedside. Okay. So, you know, we talked about nurses doing brief intervention for tobacco use, ask about tobacco use, advise patients to quit and then arrange to refer them to the Nevada Tobacco Users quit line. So that is 
an institutional policy of going smoke free and the unit level, the nurses were trained to do brief intervention for tobacco use. In terms of economic, I believe it helps the by by having smoke-free hospitals, by uh, having nurses do brief interventions at the bedside. I believe that impacts the bottom line of patients who smoke, right? Telling them that here are resources that can help you quit, explaining to them the cost savings of quitting, and explaining to them that this service is free and is evidence-based. So, and then the fact that, by the way, sharing with their patients that tobacco taxes are also going to increase, helping them perhaps patients who are concerned about their bottom line, enhancing their motivation to quit. And as a result of uh, patients quitting, the expenses, the economics of dealing with tobacco-related diseases being paid by whatever insurance company they have, most of the time it's Medicaid, the state-funded program. So we shared with Medicaid that for every person for every tobacco user who quits, the Medicaid stands to save about $40,000 per quitter. That's incentive. So, Dr. Fouts, can I actually just throw an additional question onto this? Because I think it's important when our profession gets involved in healthcare policy and looking at the economics, what is the importance of healthcare teams like nursing profession, physicians, all of them, like getting their buy-in to when you're talking about making big changes such as something like this. When we were growing up, you know, smoking was very commonplace in the hospitals. And so you do have a lot of healthcare team members that actually still smoke. And so what's your thoughts on the importance of buy-in and and well education for those team members who may be struggling with like an initiative such as this? I I believe it's very important that we healthcare professionals collaborate with all of us, healthcare professionals collaborate with coalitions that are advancing um, health-related policies, just like your lecture talks about a culture of health. Your lecture also talked about interprofessional um, collaboration in order to create a culture of health. Your lecture also talked about health in all policies. I believe that It takes a village, it takes a culture shift, and therefore to to improve the health of populations, improve the health of communities, and improve the health of our nation and of the world. It takes a collaboration, a collective resolve among nurses, physicians, other healthcare professionals, public health groups, and, and, and 
importantly, business owners, right? One of the wonderful examples, one of the wonderful things that have happened with smoke-free restaurants is that the research is showing that the, the business owners did not lose money with smoke-free restaurants. And so now business owners are joining healthcare professionals, are joining public health organizations, and collectively, we have a policy that improves everyone's bottom line, right? It doesn't hurt the uh, restaurant owners. It protects the public. It uh, decreases the burden of tobacco-related diseases in hospitals and in emergency rooms and all that stuff. So, And it also affects the bottom line of the patients themselves. So we're it's such a, and, and the kids are protected from secondhand smoke. So here is an example of where a collective resolve among healthcare professionals, hand in hand, working with public health professionals, with the business community in their location. I think it, that creates a win-win situation. Absolutely agree. And so when you're looking at any type of an initiative, and I know you have spoken in great detail about the very important topic that we continue to strive for, cessation of, I can't even say, smoking cessation is so important across all populations. And so utilizing that and sharing of your information, I know you started in Nevada, and then you've taken it into more of a national, I know you have spoken very publicly in many forums about this very important topic. And so what would you share to any of these students who want to maybe pursue a topic such as you have done with the topic of smoking cessation? And how would they, what would be some strategies for them to go about this process? And I just kind of put this question here at the very end to get involved in these things. Do you have any recommendations? So it's very important for each of us, and I know that's always in our heart, is in our hearts as nurses, to make this whole world a better place. So it's very important for each nurse, and I share this with my students, is to identify what, what am I most passionate about? What keeps me awake at night? In my case, my grandfather, at the age of 54, died of a heart attack in a place in the Philippines where there are no resources. So that kept me. I thought I, I, thought I need to do something about it. So, so I want to ask each of you to kind of listen deeply and, and, and say, what is it that I most care about? Because once you identify that, even if there are obstacles in front of you, you just say, okay, this is just one more thing. But it does not extinguish that fire in you because you are most passionate about that issue. Okay, and so once you identify that, you find ways to find where, where do I go to make a difference in this specific area? Okay, so if it's cancer prevention, 
to check out your local cancer coalition. Believe it or not, there's a lot of coalitions in your community who are trying to advance the care of that specific population that you are most that you most care about. Okay, so go find allies in your community and then use the time that you have in school to learn as much as you can about that specific issue. My vision for each of us is that nurses would be viewed as the most knowledgeable advocates of a certain issue that your state will look to you and say, She's passionate about that, and she's knowledgeable about that. I want to see that nurse, right? And that's when you get appointed to boards. That's when the governor notices your work because no one can extinguish that passion of yours. Okay, so to recap, know what it is that you're most passionate about, and then um, learn as much as you can in school and outside about that specific issue, and then seek opportunities to share what you know in coalitions, in different venues that advance that specific cause. I have nurses who are advocating health policy, nurses who are going to school boards and say, no, you're not addressing opioid disorder prevention right. You need to hear, here is the evidence. And, and Mr. Superintendent of School, you have the power to do something about it. And the school nurses in this community are backing you up. Here's the evidence, and here's how, here are the resources to do. That was such an excellent, excellent segue into our ending of this podcast and the reinforcement for how all of us as professional nurses can get involved at every level to support healthcare policy initiatives and looking at um, the various points of how it's economically sound and how we can actually improve not only our resources, our funding, but also the health of all that we serve. Dr. Files, I so appreciate your time today in discussing these very important topics for our students and for sharing your story and your passion for what you've done, not only in the Philippines, but also Nevada, as well as nationwide across our country. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me and look forward to uh, to collaborating with population health students. Thank you so much. Take care and have a wonderful evening. You too. Bye-bye. Now that you've explored some important concepts related to your modules, if you have not done so already, please turn your attention to the course materials in your online course for additional application and practice of these concepts.